Hi, this is Pastor Furman with Lubbock Unified Church. Uh, you are listening to Messages on the Go. We pray that this message will bless you today and that you will receive a word from God that will help you in your life. If you ever want to visit us in person, feel free to stop by any Sunday, 2707 34th Street. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Or you can join us for a Wednesday night refuel service with some prayer, some worship, and a word every Wednesday at 6.30, same location. We would love to have you. Now, let's jump into this week's message. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Glad to see all y'all this morning. It's always exciting, Baptism Sunday, man. I get asked a lot of questions when it comes to baptism. Does it mean, uh, you know, does baptism make me say, no, not necessarily. You know, do I got to get my life together before I get baptized? Like, what do I need to do? There's a lot of misconceptions. What if I was baptized as a baby? Do I need to get baptized again? Is it okay to get baptized more than once? Well, the word of God says simply that you only need one baptism in your life. Um, but it also has to be a decision of your own. Okay, that means that as much as your parents might have had you baptized, and that's a wonderful thing, you have to make that choice for yourself. And so if you got baptized because everybody was doing it, well, maybe it's time to rethink about it. Maybe the Lord's leading you to you today. Um, but baptism symbolizes you receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You go in public with your faith. And it also symbolizes you, old life being buried, and you get raised out of the water. It's like Jesus got raised out of the tomb into a new life. And so if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I've been questioning that, I've been thinking about that, I've been wanting to do that, but you know, I've been trying to get things in order. That's the thing, we're never going to have things in order. Our life is never going to go the way that we always want, it's not going to always go how we plan. But the Lord says that He wants to do it with you anyway. And so if you're here today and you're like, I wasn't planning on getting baptized, but I feel like God is leading me to that. As you can see, we have t-shirts. But we also have underwear and shorts and all the things that you need to get baptized. So I would encourage you, man, really spend time with the Lord. And if He wants to do it, then let's make it happen, okay? Uh, but I'm excited. We have four people getting baptized today. Make some noise for them. Yeah. You know, as a church, we baptize over 40 people, which is, is pretty awesome to see. Um, yeah, man, make some noise for And today we're going to read a story uh, of something like a baptism. Um, we're going to read out of 2 Kings chapter uh, 5 today. So we're going to Old Testament for all my New Testament people, okay? We're going old school in the Word of God. And we're going to read about a commander who was named Naaman. And he was known for many great victories. But one victory that he couldn't earn himself, that he couldn't give himself, was the healing that he was in need of. And so I'm excited to read the Word of God. And I really feel like God is going to bring some healing to some people today in a way that they've been needing, in a way they've been lacking, in a way that life has just put up walls and been keeping from. And so before we get into that, I want to pray, and then we'll read the Word of God. So Father, we just come before you, just 
Man, with grateful hearts and just thanksgiving, Lord, acknowledging your goodness in our life. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that we get to come and do life together, but also celebrate the things that you do in our life. And so, Lord, just as we come before you today, just, man, help us remove anything that's been getting in the way of you. Help us hear from you clearly today. Help us receive your love in a way that makes us, man, just feel whole, feel complete. Father, whatever has been going on in our life, Lord, I pray that we would know that you are present with us, that we don't have to do this alone, that we don't have to have it figured out, that we don't have to get life ready to do life with you. And so, Lord, just as we come before you, we just ask that you would speak to us this morning, uh, that you would guide us, and that you would get the glory of all of this. So, Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Of course, we'll have the verses on the screen if you need them. Also, if you need a Bible in your seats in the pews in front of you, there's a, a New Testament. You're welcome to take that with you. Inside there, there's different devotionals and different studies to help you grow in the Word, grow in your faith. Um, but as we start off, I want to start at 2 Kings chapter 5, reading verses 1 through 4. It starts off saying this. The king of Abram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army. Because through him the Lord had given uh, Abram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. And at this time the Armenian raiders had invaded the land of Israel. Among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife, a maid. And one day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet of Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl of Israel had said. And so we see a man named Naaman. He's a great commander. He's got great accomplishments. He's got great favor with the king, right? People recognize him. If you know anything about those times, man, people were like an idol, right? They were heroes in the country. But we also see that he has something that nobody can help him with, and he couldn't even help himself. He had leprosy. Leprosy was a disease that... Uh, left untreated, it could be fatal, it could kill you. But also, it could be contagious. And so this meant that a lot of people who knew you had it, they was like, oh man, he got leprosy, they would move out the way. A lot of people would try to avoid you. A lot of people that were your friends or your family would probably cut you off. To go to the temple or, or to go worship or offer sacrifices, you wouldn't be allowed. You were considered unclean. So having leprosy was like, man, you might as well take me out to the pasture, right? Just go ahead and let me die out here. So he had something that he couldn't help himself with. But we also see he was still the commander. So that meant that either his case was mild or it was at the early stages. But eventually there was going to come to a point that he was going to be outcasted in his society, in his family, of other people. But then we see there's a young lady that he got from captive, right? He took over some stuff, brought this lady back, and now she works in his home. And she does something that I think many of us would probably fail to do. She spoke up sharing her faith, sharing her belief. And she was willing to give the enemy a solution to their problem. How many of y'all would have done that? Somebody would have took you from your home, took you from your family, and then you would have helped them. I think a lot of us would be like, man, I've been waiting for him to die. I want not maybe to die, then maybe I could get my freedom, I can escape. But she doesn't do that. She goes to her mistress and she says, hey man, I, I think I know somebody that can help. In fact, where I'm from, the Samaria, there is a prophet there that I know can heal him with the help of our God. 
Naaman takes his advice and he says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go try what I have to lose. And I want you to take this away this morning. I want to start right here. Your role is not as important as your belief. Your role, your position, your title is not as important as your belief. Many times we, we limit our influence, we limit our impact because of our status, right? We think about our position and we think, you know what, it's not that important. I'm not some pastor on the stage. I don't have an important position at my job, in my family. What's the use of me trying to make an impact or influencing other people? The world kind of brings us up that way with that mind frame. If you're not a boss, if you're not a manager, if you're not the supervisor, don't even waste your time. Because whatever you're trying to do is not going to change your situation. It's not going to have an impact. And a lot of times we come in this upbringing, this thinking, and we think, okay, so what's the point of all this? God, you had me in this position. I don't understand it, but one thing I do know is I'm stuck in it. And there's not much I can do about it. But we see something incredible with this young lady. She didn't allow her position to keep her from making a huge impact in somebody else's life, even her enemy. Your role isn't as important as your belief. We gotta be some believers, church. To have a faith in Jesus is to have a belief that the resources that you lack can be met. That the obstacles you face can be overcome. When we exercise this, man, we can see things happen that we couldn't believe with our own eyes. A lot of times we don't realize that it's our unbelief that's getting in the way of God moving in our life, moving in our situations. We ask God to move in a relationship, in our finances, in all these different areas of our life. But a lot of times we lack belief. A lot of times we limit what he can do. A lot of times we, we see our situation, we see our status, we see our title, we say, man, it is what it is. It's not going to get better than this. This is just my lot in life. This is the hand I'm dealt. So I got to take it as it is. All you need, though, church, is the boldness to act and the faith to believe. We see this young maid. She wasn't a commander. She didn't have all the fame and all the status as Naaman did. But she said, what I do have, I know it can change everything. She wasn't Armenian. She was an Israelite serving her enemy. But she still chose to use her faith to bring forth her deliverance. She believed God was still good even when her life wasn't the same. God wants some believers who will stand on his promise even when they're in the presence of their enemy. Even when they've been removed from their home. Removed from their situation. Removed from what's familiar from them. He's saying, man, I need you to believe that I'm still good. I need you to believe that I can still change your situation. I need you to believe of what I'm capable of. Naaman understood his situation. He knew that he truly, he'd been trying everything. And this was something he couldn't overcome by himself. That it was going to take something outside of himself to receive healing for what he had. He could have looked at that girl and said, man, you crazy. I don't want to hear none of that. You in my house. You serving me. But he listened to her and he said, you know what? I haven't tried that. What do I have to lose? Church, a lot of times we fail to receive what God has from us because we're afraid of what we're going to risk. We're afraid of what we're going to lose. We're afraid of what we're going to look like if we do it. 
But the thing is, with Jesus, it's always worth the risk. It's always worth to give him one all. A couple weeks ago, I shared a story about Joshua, who was leading the Israelites to the promised land of God. And they got to the river, and they could see the promised land. And one thing that God asked them to do was to put their feet in the water. He said, if you just take this one step, watch how I move everything out of the way and I clear a path for you. And that's the thing, church. A lot of times we are scared to get wet and make that one step. But you got to be willing to risk something to receive something. And David said, you know what? Even though it might not make sense to my king, it might not make sense to the people that know me. I'm willing to risk this to receive what I'm in need of. So we went. Taking a risk on Jesus is always worth it. I want us to continue to read and see what happens. Go and visit the prophet, the king of Abram told him, and I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So David started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, 10 cents of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and he said, Am I God that I can give this man life or take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. The king of Israel thought, oh man, they're trying to set me up. I know somebody wants to throw hands. I know this dude's already taken from me. He's trying to get it off. He could only see himself in the situation. He was ignorant of how God was working through the prophet in his own land. He was ignorant about his own belief in God. When we make things all about ourselves, we can miss how God can work in this moment. We can miss how God can change our enemies and make them a friend. We can miss how God can transform a situation. He didn't understand it. All he saw was his situation, his perspective, and what he was against. It just shows how much faith and belief he has in God. You see, church, when we get wrapped up in ourselves, when we look about ourselves in the situation, we don't, we don't leave room for God. We may talk about God, about how we you know, praise and we stand on him, but it tells a lot about ourselves when never, you know, stuff hits the fan, right? And it's just you. What are you going to do? The king of Israel, he got wrapped up in himself. And then we see the other side, Naaman and the king of Aaron thought, you know what? If we send a letter, if we send these gifts, surely you're going to be healed. Right? We can go in and purchase what we need from other countries, from other people. I'm sure if we go to this place, we go see this prophet, we can do the same thing with this God. We see people do it with our God, like, why wouldn't it work? So we see two different people doing things their own ways. But we got to understand this, and I want you to take this away this morning. God's way is better than our own way. Okay? It's going to be different than ours. It's not going to look like what we want. It's not going to look like what somebody else has done. He's going to do it his way because he's not dependent on us. He doesn't need us to accomplish anything. Now, it's a privilege and honor that he chooses us to join him in some work. But the truth is, he doesn't need us. He can still accomplish his will, his purpose without us. But sometimes we get big headed. We think it's about us all the time. But 
the God of the universe. He's the king of everything. Too many times we place the structures and the limits that we've created in this world on God. We think, man, if he doesn't work in between these lines, then the situation is hopeless. And he can't work. The truth is, he sets the standard. He does what he wants. He enforces what he wants. He does things his own way. It's not the other way around. He doesn't ask us to get our life together before living a life with him. He asks us to trust and believe that in our mess, he's going to straighten it out. He's already got it figured out. That it's nothing too great for him to overcome. That his way is better than what we don't understand. It's better than what we're uncomfortable with. It's better than what we don't believe. And it made me think of this verse in Isaiah 55. In that chapter, it says, The heavens are higher than the earth. So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We need to be reminded of that. God's going to do things his way, and that's not a bad thing. Because let's be real, if things were left in our way, we'd make a bigger mess of it, right? How many times do we take situations and we make them even worse? We see other people do the same thing, we bring them in our situation, it gets even worse. And the whole time, we're like, where's God at? We've been pushing God to the side. God's like, you can do it in your way. If that's what you want to do, have at it. I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to love you. I'm still willing to help you. But you have to trust me and walk me to do it my way versus yours. It's a hard thing, church. It's not always easy. But I'm glad he doesn't do it our way. And he does it his. He doesn't do the way of other people. See, thankfully, we have a way through Jesus to get it right, to fix our situation, to fix our mess. I want us to continue to read and see what happens next. It's going to get really interesting. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 8. He said, but when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent his message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me. And he will learn that there's a true prophet here in Israel. And so Naaman went with his horse and his chariots and he waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a message out to him with this message. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and he stopped and he walked away. I thought he would certainly come out and meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over my leprosy, call on the name of his God. And heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, of Abana, of Pophor better than any of these rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went away in rage. He was heated, right? He said, I can't believe this dude. I come all the way over here. I come to his house. He didn't come outside and talk to me. Then he's going to try to tell me to come and give him, give him some little river. And he starts naming all these rivers back in his homeland. If you learn the comparison, what you find is that the Jordan River is small. It's real easy to look at it as insignificant. And you got to think, Naaman was a war hero, right? He was treated like royalty. He was respected in his homeland. So he expected that treatment everywhere he went. He said, surely people know my name. So when he came and Elisha didn't even ask the door, he was like, oh, who does dude think I am? Not today, huh? And when he come out, when he told him to go and do this, he said, you want me to do what? 
Wasting my time over here. I could have done this back home. He didn't realize what Elisha was trying to do in this moment, what God was trying to do in this moment. His pride was consuming him, was taking over him. And I want us to learn this principle right here so we don't fall in the same trap as Naaman. I want you to take this away. Great accomplishments can birth great arrogance. Okay? Great accomplishments can birth great arrogance. We can lose sight of the mission that we're on, what we're trying to do, when our pride gets in the way. We all desire to be successful, right? Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to be a failure. Everybody wants to be successful and accomplish great things. But we have to be mindful of when we're in those situations of how arrogance can grow. Because arrogance grows in the soil of other people's applause. Okay? That means that when people are giving you a big hit, man, you did so good, Pastor. That message was, it was on point, Pastor. It's real easy for a pastor to get a big hit. I did say it pretty good, huh? <laughs> That one line, that one line was here, right? We have to be mindful. A lot of people today have this problem. They're like naming. They just want a quick fix to their solution without really getting to below the surface. They're looking like, man, why you can't come and just say a couple of things and I'll be healed and it'll be over with? Not realizing that God is trying to do something so much deeper. The Word of God talks about how he humbles the proud. That means when you are prideful, when you are arrogant, you are coming against God. And that's a fight you're not going to win. And when you're led by your pride, when you're led by your arrogance, you're not going to realize that. You're going to look at situations as being below you, beneath you. You're going to say, really, this, this is how they're acting towards me? This is how they want to be? Oftentimes, People that are prideful, they want solutions that match their success or their status. People often reject God's forgiveness, His free gift of salvation because it's so easy, right? The Word of God says, if you call on my name and ask to be saved, you will be saved. We hear that and we say, that can't be true. What do I really got to do? Where's the fine prince in this? We make things so much harder than what they really are. We become like Naaman. We think it's too easy. It's beneath us. Church, we can't let our reaction to God's way of faith keep us from the cure that we're in need of. Naaman didn't understand that God didn't want to just fix his physical problem, but his spiritual problem too. And the same is true for us. When we allow arrogance and pride to be built up with our success, we're going to create a wall keeping us from the blessing that we're in need of. So we see Naaman was in his feelings. He was hot. He didn't want to receive it. But I want us to take a look at what happens next. We're going to go to uh, Kings chapter 5, 13. It said, but his officials tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So why should you certainly obey him if he said something simple? Go wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times. And as the man of God had instructed him, and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. You see what was keeping him? His pride was keeping him from being healed. And that's something we got to learn. I want you to take this away this morning. 
Obedience to God begins with humility. That's where we got to find ourselves at church. We have to believe that God's way is better than our way. That even when we don't understand it, He understands it. That when He instructs us to do something, it has purpose. It's for our benefit. It's worthy of the cause. It doesn't have to look how we expect. We don't have to be comfortable. We don't have to like it. We don't even have to believe it. We have to trust Him and walk in it. God is willing to wash away everything that's hurting us, everything that's making us sick. He's willing to wash away our pride, our wrongs, our unbelief. It's going to take humility to receive that. Not only is it going to take humility, you're going to need some people in your corner that are going to call you out. They're going to step on your toes. They're going to say some words that are coming in love that are going to correct you. We need some people in our corner like that because David would have missed out on his healing. He could have returned home without being healed. He could have returned home without the blessing. All because of his pride and his arrogance. But luckily he had some people that said, hey man, you tripping, man. If they asked you to do something difficult, what you would have done? He was like, well, yeah. So why not do this? And as soon as he does it, he's healed. We need some people that are going to help us remain humble. It takes humility to do something that's outside of your norm. Something that's below your status. Something that you don't understand. Having the title, having all the money, all the resources, all the people saying yes to you doesn't guarantee that you're going to receive what you need in your time of need. But if you have humility, you have a greater chance of receiving it. If you have humility for the Lord, you're definitely going to receive it. Obedience to God begins with humility. I want us to continue to read and see what happens next. And then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, and they stood before him. And Naaman said, Now there is no other God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept the gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elijah refused. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two mules from the earth, with earth from this place. And I will take them back with me home. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me of this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple for the God of Rimeon to worship there and leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to you. Go in peace, Elisha said. So Naaman started home again. So we see that not only has Naaman been cured, he's also been humbled, right? His rage turned into thankfulness. thankfulness. He even spoke to Elijah different. He said, man, I'm a servant of the Lord. I want you to receive this gift from me. He said, I'm a servant now. He wasn't looking to be recognized or appreciated any longer. He even told him, man, can I take back some of this dirt? Can I take this soil back with me? When earlier, he was just talking about how that river is beneath him. How there were other rivers that were better at his home. Now he's saying, man, even where I live, it isn't better than what you have here. And I don't worship any other God but the God that just healed me today. This is the God I want to live my life with moving forward. He even asked for a pardon. He's saying, man, look, you know, because of my job, it's going to put me in situations that it's going to look like I'm worshiping somebody else. But I want to make it clear that I'm not. Not only that, I want to ask for God's blessing, for his pardon. So he understands that I'm not as well. 
So we see David has changed. He's all for the Lord now. That whole attitude flipped. That's what humility will do for you. It will break down all those barriers that you've been building up. It will put you in position to receive. It will help you look at your situation in a whole different light. Twice he tried to tell Elisha. He said, hey man, I want to give this offering to you. And twice Elisha said, no, man, I'm not going to take that. Elijah wanted him to understand, man, God's services can't be bought. It's not something you can just go and earn. It's not something you're just going to do a bunch of things and now I'm good with the Lord. Like, no, that's not how this works. It works when you come with humility and you surrender your heart to the Lord. Amen. That's what you got to do. And so this brings me to my challenge for all of us today. Humble yourself. That's the challenge. Surrender your ways, your thoughts to the Lord. I know a lot of times we get into situations and automatically we're thinking, okay, I got to fix this. Especially guys. We turn into, I don't know if y'all ever seen Wreck-It Ralph, we turn into Fix It Felix. It's a guy with a hammer, he goes around, I can fix it. That's what we turn into. Every situation come up, we're like, oh, don't worry, I can fix it, I can fix it. Nah, man, you got to humble yourself. Say, Lord, I need you to fix it. I need you to help me. I need you to surrender my way of thinking, my ways, so I can do your ways. Because you already know the solution. We gotta surrender our ways, our thoughts to the Lord. We gotta get some people that are his children to help us out, to call us out, to hold us accountable. To say, hey man, I love you, man, but you are tripping right now, okay? <laughs> hey man, I love you, but that's not what God said to do, okay? need some people that are going to be real with us. Not just a bunch of people that are going to just agree with you all the time. It's cool to have people that are going to say yes to you, but like what we talked about, right? That's a dangerous place to be. That's good soil to, to grow arrogance and pride. And you need some people to humble you. We need humility. But then we got to be obedient to his request. Whatever that looks like. See, the thing is, the Lord will keep you humble in the smallest of ways to always stay in closeness and relationship with Him. So He's going to ask you to do some things that it's not going to make sense, that you're going to feel like, really, Lord? Like, you know what I do for a living. This is what you want me to do? But you're not realizing He's trying to keep you humble before you grow a big head. All my life, they said, I've had a big head. All my life, the Lord's been humbling me. And I'm grateful for that. My sister would tell you, man, his head was so big he couldn't even pick it up off the ground as a baby. I knew he was going to be a problem. And all the time the Lord's making me do the smallest of things and the craziest of ways. And I'm like, Lord, okay, I know you're humbling me right now. I know I need this right now. Even though I don't see it, even though I don't understand it, Lord, I'm ready to receive it. Because I don't want to miss out on my healing. I don't want to miss out on my blessing. I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. Because of my arrogance and my pride. Church, we got to humble ourselves. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Father, we just come to you with humble hearts. Just asking that if there's any ounce of pride, of arrogance right now, Lord, that you would strip it off of us. That you would break it down. That you would call us out, Lord. If we are still blind and we still don't see it, Lord, would you send your children to help us? 
Well, we have ears to listen to their correction, to their discipline, to their love through you. Father, we know that you don't desire us to be prideful people, to be arrogant people, Father. And there's too many Christians that are that, that place themselves above where you call us to be. So, Lord, we just ask for your help right now. That you would bring us and return us all back to where we belong. At your feet. Ready to respond to your word, to your advice, to your instructions. Father, help us in these areas that we lack. So that way we could bring honor to your name. So that way we could receive the things that we're in need of. So that way we could be healed in areas that we are hurting. Father, we need you. So help us come to the realization of that need. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your patience and your grace, Lord. And just for always intervening in our situations. Father, we love you and pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Uh, follow us online at Lubbock Unified on all platforms. And as always, if there's any way that we could help you, please get in contact with us. Other than that, join us next week as we continue to find ways to cross over. God bless.